Hey, what's up, guys? Today, the debate rages on. What are the most overrated steroids? We asked Skip and Andrew and Nate last week, and now we'll ask Dave. Plus, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. What do you think are the most overrated compounds? After that, we've got your listener questions. There'll be timestamps below if you want to skip around. What are the pros and cons of MK677? How much test do you need to add to make it a cycle if you're already on TRT? A guy asked about adding metformin. Spoiler alert, we tell him to try berberine first. Can you grow muscle on just HCG? alone and we're asked what's the craziest thing you've ever done dave has some great stories about back in his bouncing days and i guess he used to have a monster truck in monster truck rallies all of that and a bunch more if you're new to our content let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week tons of education and entertainment from ipb pros experienced coaches and educators in our industry we're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love Hopefully stay safer and, you know, have a good time and get you through your cardio or whatever else you're doing. All right, guys, let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the people of Patreon. Thank you very much for all your support. We're also brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave. And, of course, we are brought by our title sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK at checkout. You'll get some savings. You will directly support our show. High quality third-party tested supplements plus Strom Sports Nutrition for those of you in the UK. They've got some awesome uh, health stacks. Check out everything they have, especially if you're on cycle and supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great, great deals that change week to week. I'm distracted by Dave in his long, his long tube. Yes. <laughs> Yes, my tube is very long, very oh. hard as well. By the way, guys, topic of the day is going to be most overrated steroids. And uh, Dave's going to throw growth in there because I know he is. Uh, but we're going to get to that after Dave shows up. His shows us his tube. Here's my tube. This is my tube. It is long. It is hard. This is my tube. What are you I drinking? Like is, that, is that black coffee? It is. Wow. I'm drinking coffee too. How about that? It's it's cinnamon black coffee. Oh. I actually don't know what's in my tube, to be honest. It's just arrived. <laughs> you really don't. You don't. No. I thought you really had something you were going to show us, but you just happened no. to have it around. No, it just arrived. Um, supposedly, I was supposed to have been signed for, but I haven't signed for it, so I don't know how the fuck they delivered it. Language. Got to be uh, careful with the language, Dave. Sorry, I don't know how they delivered it. I know I have no R strength, so I can't get the lid off. This is going to be an unboxing with Dave, our new channel. We're going to be unboxing different packages that come in. As you can see, Dave has a long, slender tube, and he's now... It's ex extended, it's my tube. It's getting longer. What and if this? any of you are laughing, you've got dirty minds. Behave yourselves. What do you got, Dave? Oh, I know what this is. I don't know why it's cold, but I know what it is. Don't get your greasy fingers on it. It's probably nice. So this is that. A self-portrait you made. It's beautiful, yes. Dave. It's it is. Absolutely beautiful. Very nice. Did somebody ask uh, to have a, a print made? Did you somebody buy I a print know. for you? I think someone asked for a picture of Dusty. So Oh Dude, you better be careful, man. Better be he's careful. over there. And you better sure. be careful with that crap, oh. man. <laughs> Dusty had fun time coming on, even though you weren't on the show the whole episode. He still oh, had don't. a good time. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was it was just it was a shit storm last week. 
Okay. Well, we've got a topic today. Uh, most overrated steroids. And I thought this would be a fun one. Um, I've got one in mind, but I, of course, I want to let you go first. What are you thinking? What's at the top of your list and why? Creating. Uh, I don't think that fits into the category, Dave. That It is a great uh, performance booster, considering that it's natural and all that. And it's you good know, for yeah. brain health. I started using it again, but... I, w- I would say that creatine is probably one of the most outstanding supplements there is available. Um, I This is a difficult one in the sense that the drug is good. I just am very much against the obsession with it. And that, that's Tren. Hmm. Tren is a very strong drug. It's a very effective anabolic yes it has a whole host of potential problems that comes with it but i don't get the obsession with it i don't get this this almost law that's been created around trent well our listener justin agrees with you even though comments isn't working i can still kind of bring him in and i right. agree with you too man that was going to be my number one was trend trend ace trend um, e i turn hex i don't care i think yeah, it's the I most mean, overrated I think it's a good compound. Um, I think it's a very powerful compound, but I think its law is unjustified. And I think, you know, if you're looking at trend for strength, then men would be comparable and, and just as strong from a strength point of view. Um, oxys are just as good for fullness. I think there isn't anything that has the sort of hardening conditioning package that trend really does in the way it works. But yeah. Um, I just, I just don't like the price that comes with it. Um, and for me, that is... But then again, I think Primo's a bag of dog doo-doo as well. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, actually. I'm kind of with you thing, on that one. The, the thing I have against Primo, Primo's really, really mild, really sophisticated steroids. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the pharmacology around steroids... Primo is the most advanced that's ever been created. It really is cutting edge for what it is. But it, it's I, I struggle to find a justification for using it apart from poly, apart from low health impact muscle preservation in a cup. Well, it's it's I'll, I'll get back to that. I want to address the trend thing first. I'm with you. Here's the thing, man. So I was leaving the the range the other day and I'm heading home and I stopped to get some gas and I went inside the store to buy a drink. And uh, lo and behold, the guy at the register was like, hey, what's up, bro? He's he's a younger guy. He's like, you just coming from the gym? And I was like, no, no, no. Just, you know, just driving home. And he was like, oh, right on, right on. But you lift, you know, but you, you take gear you like you on TRT. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do TRT. And he instantly, 20-year-old kid, he's like, you ever take trend? I'm like, yeah, 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 back in the day, I used to, you know, I've run some trend. He's like, man, I just ran some trend. And they're not kidding, man. That stuff is strong. They don't tell you how strong that stuff is. You know, people are, 20-year-old, and I, I was like, how old are you? He's like, oh, I just turned 20. You know, 20 year old kid. I mean, he looked like he lifted. He didn't look like a bodybuilder or anything. He looked like your average, you know, uh, L.A. fitness health club gym rat, you know, more power to him. But I can tell you I'm getting old because 20 years ago, 
Nobody knew who what trend was unless you were deep into the game. And now everybody does. And there's all this, like you said, there's this lore, this folklore. Oh, it's going to give you this crazy libido. It's going to make you go insane. You know, it's all these terrible things are going to happen, but you're going to gain 27 pounds of lean muscle and you're going to get shredded at the same time and you don't have to even diet, which, you know, all that stuff, man, it is kind of like 20% true. You know what I mean? Like you will get harder and drier and better looking. You will get stronger. You will gain muscle and you'll even do that in a, def a deficit. Your diet doesn't have to be 100%. You could be like a, you know, a partier and still get some results. So I guess I see where they're coming from. But like you said, it is it, at the cost, man. It's it's I well, think that it's overrated and it doesn't live up to all that hype. I think one of the problems as well is that you've got guys that don't have a lot of experience that haven't had a repertoire of drug use. Yeah. Jump onto trend very, very early on. And so f compared to what they've used previously, which will be Anavar, Test, maybe a bit of D-Ball, yeah, yeah, the thing is fucking rocket fuel. I mean, it, it is next level. But if you've been around three, four, five years season of Love Cycles, then no, you're not going to have that same opinion of it. You're going to recognize it as a powerful drug. Yeah. But you're not going to see it as rocket fuel. This is Tren Octopus, by the way. <laughs> by the That's way, guys, Christmas angry. Cabbage is visiting. He came out, surprised me. He just, he had some free time. He wanted to get away. So he came to visit for a little while, which. Uh, little shit. But did he get in trouble before he left? Were you guys on, on, on the outs? Is that why he left? Doesn't doesn't do his chores. Oh, is that so? Mm. Oh, well, he, he and I all have a talk. All right. He, he's got this. I'm a superstar. I shouldn't have to clean my room attitude at the moment. Huh. All right. Well, well I'll see if I can sort him yeah. out over here. Let's um, put Trent Octopus away. All right. So you also mentioned Primo. I think we'll cover that one. And then I want an honorable mention. I already know what your honorable mention is. Here's the deal, dude. So Primo is more available now. People used to say Primo was completely, like, never, it, it was always fake. And you still hear some people saying that, good luck finding real Primo. But the reality is, with all the Chinese powders nowadays and the availability, man, it's all over the place at this point. And, yeah. you know, you can get it even for, like, reasonable prices. Real mm -hmm. Primo isn't hard to find. But, man, I, I still will take Bast E any day of the week over Primo, I just find I get better results with people from it. I, I'm just of this tools for the job. Right. Use the compounds that are most suitable for the circumstances and the job at hand. So the circumstances are you, body fat, composition, mental health, where you are in stage of development or experience in training, where your health is and all that stuff. And obviously the job at hand is what you're trying to do. I don't get Primo in an off-season. I, yeah. I just don't get it. I, I, I'm I, sorry. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, if you're a, you know, 250 to 300-pound bodybuilder, um, I, I see little use for this drug apart from a bit of extra muscle preservation in a cut sort of thing or some estrogen control. I, I mean, everyone goes... Primo's really good. Primo's really healthy. And it's like, it absolutely obliterates HDL. 
Now, see, here's the thing, man. I haven't had that experience with it, with with the some of the clients I've worked with. I haven't seen it be any worse than any other DHT. Have you? Because you see lab work oh, all the well, time. No, I, right. I wouldn't say it's particularly any worse than DHT. I would say Primo and Masto out of the DHTs are the worst. Okay. But we have this... I don't know what it's like stateside, but we, I've got people... There's a big trend now for people running 500, even a grammar primo off season, you know, or a grammar mast off season. And it's like, yeah, I, I just, I just think there's better compounds for what you're trying to achieve. And it's always healthier than Decker. Well, no, actually it's not, not when you're doing it the way you are. Yeah. There you is know? an element of people thinking that it's kind of like, well, I'm taking TRT plus I take, you know, I take 150 tests. And so my test levels are in range. And then I run 400 Primo with that. And so it, I'm kind of in a health phase right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I just, I want to explain why the, um, the, the concept around the HDL stuff and LDL, because there's, there's a lot of mixed signals about this as well. So we eat fats, cholesterol sits in our bodies. We use it for hormones. We use it for enzymes. We use it for all sorts of shit. LDL collects that, takes it to the liver. Sorry, HDL collects that, takes it to the liver. The liver processes and gets rid of the excess. LDL takes it from the liver and puts it back in the bloodstream. Hmm. If you have, and it's not so much that you have low HDL, if you have a low HDL in ratio to LDL, then that balance mechanism of removal and deposit is wrong and it will be favoured of deposit. And as a result, the cholesterol levels in your bloodstream will be too high. You might still have cholesterol in range, as in total cholesterol. Yeah. But if the relationship between HDL and LDL is in favor of LDL, you'll be leaving elevated levels of cholesterol in your bloodstream. And as a result, you are going to get plaque formation over the years to come. So what was traditional about steroids in the old cycle on, cycle off was that all anabolics affect HDL to some degree. DHCs are particularly bad. And stuff like ADEX, letrozole is particularly bad as well. And Anavar's awful because it increases LDL at the same time. Um, <clears throat> but you'd have off-season. Then you'd have a period of no drugs where your HDL would recover. Because we've all moved to a cruise format, yes. you would still get some recovery if it was just test. But what we're getting now is a cruise with a DHT. Yeah, so I got gotcha. you. not... We're not getting this HDL recovery in the down period. And as a result, HDL is staying low permanently. Um, and like I said, it is that LDL-HDL relationship that you need to be concerned about. But because HDL is staying low permanently, we are creating... There are exceptions. I know some, particularly some pro bodybuilders whose HDL is never particularly good. But their LDL is at a position where their ratio is still good. But for most of the guys that emulate these guys, oh, well, so-and-so does a Grand Primo, so that's what my off-season is going to be. Yeah. They don't have that same finite control in the diet. They're not doing the same level of cardio or supplement support or whatever it is, and they end up with low HDL, and even normal LDL then becomes a problem. Yeah. Because that ratio is out. So it, it's that's what all the hype is about. That makes sense Have to it, me, Dave. Having elevated arterial cholesterol for a period of 8 to 12 weeks, not a big deal. Having it for a period of 52 weeks, now we're starting to get in areas of concern. Alfonso says, uh, great show, gentlemen. Scott, 
so Alfonso's a lawyer. He says, I have to advise you as counsel that your store encounter sounds like entrapment to me. Does it sound like the, the uh, maybe he was like working uh, undercover? They were trying to like lure me into a sting. Is that what that was, Dave? You think? Hopefully. <laughs> but what about the cabbage? You don't want him to go down, do you? He's here. No, at the moment, I don't know. He's like I say, he's 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 already done time in the U.S. too. <laughs> For our long-term listeners, they know exactly what we're talking about. Okay, last but not least, honorable mention. I already know what you're going to say. Growth. Yeah. Which isn't quite a steroid, but it will fit it in there. We'll squeeze it in as yeah. an honorable mention. Yeah, it's, it's it's just cost, reward. It's just not there for me. Not first, time, first time I tried to run growth, tried. It didn't happen. I was probably about 18 years old. And I found a uh, ad in the back of Muscle and Fitness or Flex Magazine, like Cancun Labs or something like that, uh, Cancun Rejuvenation. And I called the 800 number and I got in touch with an associate and they were ready to fly me down and get a consultation and take a bunch of growth hormone home with me. Uh, unfortunately, I was 18 and I didn't have the finances to do that. But at the time, Dave... I was led to believe that growth hormone was going to be, now this is the you know, the 90s, this was the next big thing, this is going to be a game changer, this is going to override genetics, that you're going to be able to grow incredible amounts of mass with it, period, full stop. Yeah, I, I um, Jay Cutler is famously quoted as saying, the only limitation with growth is how much you can afford. Um, and I, I bought into that wholeheartedly. Um, same as many people, I thought, you know, I'm going to do this cycle. I'm going to put growth in. Never used it before. I'm going to do really high doses. It's going to create this next level hyperplasia. I'm going to have cellular rejuvenation. I'm going to have new muscle cells growing like there's no tomorrow. Lots of money and 27 IU a day later and nothing. Yeah. Every side effect, but... But no, not masses and masses of muscle growth whatsoever. Lots of water, lots of joint pain. <laughs> now, you were also, um, you weren't like competitive bodybuilder lean, right, at that time. Now, we had Dusty on last week. I think he was a great example of how it can be used effectively in a pro bodybuilding situation because he was show ready, right? And he was like, so we ran growth hormone at four units all the way in. And then we decided as we were on our way in, maybe go to six and six showed better volume. He said he got like better shape. It, you know, the way he described it was he was just more 3D. So I think some of that is just the volumizing of the muscle. Went to eight no, units, I, went to 10 I, units, I, I think he said. Okay. But towards the end of prep, we bumped, ah, let's throw that growth to six units. Okay. Ah, let's throw that growth to eight units. And my peak was eight. And that was a really interesting prep because literally I came down and wait. I can't remember the numbers. Uh, I'm going to make up numbers that are low on purpose just for the math of it. Where I'm dieting down, I hit like 240, and then I competed at 250. So there was okay. actually a stage where I was 10 pounds less during prep than I weighed in before the show. So, and I, I, Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, so maybe it. that's not real muscle. It's not going to be like a long-term thing, but I definitely think it has its place 
It is deceptive, though, because then that all kind of comes back to us thinking that, you know, you're going to gain 30 pounds of muscle from growth. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a fullness. I think there's an improved recovery. I think there is an offset of some improved growth, but not anywhere near what its reputation tries to state. Um, now, this is somewhere me and Broderick disagree on because he's, he's a firm believer that with high-volume training, okay. growth comes into its own. He, he believes that very high blood flow training, and this is some of the Mylos practices. That sounds familiar. High insulin, high growth, but very high volume training, very high blood flow training. Um, has some synergy that helps and creates better growth. I've not experienced it, but then I've also not done the high volume element of the training that, that was suggested. So um, all I can say, if a, if a drug had a mechanism for direct growth as growth hormones supposedly in, in legend have, then it wouldn't matter what your training was as long as it was stimulating muscular response. And my training was definitely stimulating muscular response, yeah. but it was never of, of the voluminous type. Um, it's a good compound in the sense that fullness, fat loss, recovery, rejuvenation, low dose, sort of anti-aging, that sort of stuff. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. But I think the cost from a muscle growth point of view becomes a big negative when you're looking at value for money about what you're spending and what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Dollar for dollar, I would take any anabolic steroid over growth if my goal was to grow. Now, hey, that we're not saying that it doesn't have a place, right? And the no, same no, with Trend. You know, the same with Trend, the same with Primo. I think all three of those compounds are fantastic and that used in the right situation at the right dose. I think you can get incredible progress with them, but it's all about being realistic. So I think that saying overrated, what steroids are overrated, it's kind of a, a YouTube clicky kind of topic, but the reality is that, you know, they are still all very usable, right? In other words, Scott did the title because he wanted clickbait. So just so we need, we got to get the clicks. Dude, that last episode with Dusty um, is doing incredible, by the way. People really enjoyed uh, that topic. Some people didn't believe him. You know, some people are like, hey, I don't think it's possible. What's interesting to me, though, is he said he ran like, you know, started out running like 200 tests and then it went up from there. But he said he kept the doses low in the off season, and then he told us about running basically like two grams of gear plus ten units of growth during a cut. Why would he lie about one cycle and then tell the truth about the other? I you know don't I mean? think pe I don't think people realize the power of genetics. No, no, no. Um, and it's something I never really gave a lot of thought to for a number of years. Probably in a good way, to be honest, because I always felt the only difference between me and a pro was they trained harder and more intensely. So if I wanted to be a pro and be that size, I needed to train harder intensely. So that naivety actually served me very, very well. But as life's gone on and everything, and I've seen the wide range of genetics people possess, yeah, you, you start to see these genetically gifted trainers that and when you've had luck enough to get exposure to what they eat, what drugs they do, and see them training, you start to see how big a role genetics play 
in those people that are successful pros. Yeah. I think yeah. getting Hands pro down. status, I wouldn't say it's easy. I think that's disrespectful. But I think a pro card is not the mantle it used to be. But being a successful pro is a whole different ball game. And and for every name that we know that we know from the magazines or online or stands on the Olympian stage, there is another forty pros that you've never heard of because yeah. they never make it they never make an impact. Yeah. So yeah, genetics I think genetics will help become pro, but I think without genetics you'll never be a successful pro. Potentially there are a couple of eighties bodybuilders that may have booked that trend. Because they weren't big muscle guys like Bob Paris, Rich Gaspari. Mm. I mean, Rich was dense, but he was never a mass monster. And, and yeah. Bob was never a mass monster. Um, so there are people there that potentially book that trend in one way or another. But these days, you know, the, the size that bodybuilders are, it, it's it's insane the muscle mass that's being carried around by people. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I bumped into Nate Styles at the weekend. Oh, how's he doing? He's all right. He's about three hundred and forty pound at the moment. Hell yeah! We should get Nate, Big Nate, back on, man. Well, we we talk. Well, his training partner's been talking to me about me taking him through a training session. Okay. Uh, so, and Nate's supposed to be messaging me about it, but I don't know if he's going to go ahead with it or not. But uh, okay, his his lower body, well, his quads are just the training. The training partner or Nate's? Because Nate's are. Nate's legs are some of the best legs I've seen. No, Nate's, Nate's legs are just phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's got straight quads at 340 pounds. No kidding, man. He's a good well, dude, too. Like, he's our kind of people. Sheer, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's just sheer mass that's out there. You know what I mean? Then they were on about trying to get a training session with Zach as well. <laughs> that's cool, man. Keep me posted on that. We've got a bunch of listener questions. If you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below. Plus all your comments and likes on YouTube, all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. If you're on iTunes, for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good five-star review because that'll help other people find the program. Um, anyway, let's see here. So we had an MK677 question from Alan Jones, 5959. He says, love the show. Best information on the net. Off-topic question, but what are your guys' opinion on MK677 actual effect on GH or lead me to which podcast if already spoke about? We've talked about it a bunch. Scott Stevenson talked about it before a couple years ago, <clears throat> but it's been a while, so let's refresh him and anybody else who's interested. Well, it, it works for adrenaline, uh, increases your appetite. It does increase GH. Obviously, you've always got that restriction of it's a stimulation of your natural production, so it's it's only going to be able to get so high. Yeah. Um, MK seems to be particularly troublesome when it comes to insulin sensitivity, more so yes. than GH or, or, or other secretors, uh, or secretagogues or whatever you, however you want to say it. I don't fucking know. Secretagog. Whatever. GH stimulators. There. You never say that word right, but that's okay. I love the way you say it. Sorry. So does oh, I, I'm sure. I, I, I pronounce so many things wrong, it's unreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, they have a place. I've, I like them for the appetite side of things. I only tend to put them in at the back end of a cycle because I don't want to have to deal with what they're going to create long term. Yeah. 
and I only run them for sort of four, six week blocks if I run them for that long. Uh, I'll very often put them in if I'm using oxymethylone to try and sort of counter the reduction in appetite that oxy generally gives people. Mm. Uh, but yeah, perfectly viable. As we've already discussed about GH, you know, you're not going to turn into a freak overnight with them. But I've their main use for me is improved sleep and improved appetite. That's where I would normally go for MK. I got really good sleep when I used it. Like, if it were possible to wake up in the morning with like a little bluebird on my shoulder chirping, it would have been with taking MK six seven seven. That was one of the things. Um, that said, so Scott looked at it. Scott Stevenson looked at a study that was a one week study. They tested people after the first day of use. They tested people after seven days of use. Some people had elevated levels after the first day. Uh, and some people had not elevated levels after one week. So we know that everybody's going to be different. But there were some people that literally after a week, it was no longer doing what they wanted it to do. I forget what the dosing was. Um, but I remembered it was at least a reasonable dose. So I'm with you. I, I, I think for appetite, it could be useful. We do have to remember that it is liver toxic as well. Okay. It will raise your liver enzymes. So it's not just like a, it's not, not a free lunch. You know, there is that. Um, I think it's good for appetite. I think it's good for sleep, but I think it's terrible for insulin sensitivity, like you already mentioned. So for me, I don't really utilize it. When I think of running a low dose of growth, I think of something that we can do consistently over a long call, like six months, two years. And you're not going to use it for that length of time. I would use it for even shorter periods than you, Dave, like three weeks, two weeks at a time, two weeks on, then two weeks off, do something else, you know. Uh, but that's that's really been about it. It, it. It's very limited in its use, in my opinion. In fact, I can't. I don't have a single client right now that I'm using it with. I have one guy that I might use it with. And that's like this whole year, I haven't used it once, put it that way. I, I think out of the growth hormone pathways or the, the ways to improve growth hormone levels within your body from stimulation or injecting, it is the most detrimental on insulin mm. sensitivity Yeah, at pretty much any dose. I would uh, agree. Some people seem to be incredibly sensitive to that side of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Dave, what is that sound? People are going to yell at me. You'll be like, why don't you tell Dave to turn off his stuff? Why didn't you go forth and multiply? Go forth and multiply. Okay. Hey, guys, what are your thoughts about new school of juicing? Which involve I like how we use the word juicing. We're going old school there. Which involves adding low T and high doses of other PEDs. Example, uh, 400, excuse me, 100 test, 400 DECA, 300 Masteron. Should people be more into the new way of dosing or should we stick to the basics and consider test as a major compound, like 500 test, 200 DECA, 150 MAST? Uh, I, I don't think so. We, we've discussed this, not particularly this, but we've discussed the, the way that we have drug usage trends and we have fashions within drug usage. 
Uh, and there will be periods of time within what people are doing with drugs where people will jump on a bandwagon about a particular setup or a particular thing. More recently, we've had low-dose training every cycle, like 100 milligrams. Yeah. We've also had like the high-primo, high-mass stuff. And, and an element of that will stay. Now, there's always some reasoning behind these trends and why they happen. Some of the reasoning is credible. Some of the reason is dog shit. Um, and one of the, the movements towards lower test cycles and higher secondary compound cycles was just the fact that it made estrogen management easier. Um, I like medium to low test and high deca. I find it really, really effective with 80% of people that I run it with. They get very minimal size. They don't have estrogen problems. Uh, and they grow very, very well off it. Hmm. But that's not to say that there's anything wrong with high test and low decker. It's just for me, I want the highest dose to be the most effective compound offset against its health impacts. And so decker is a little bit mentally challenging long term, but physically it's not a particularly challenging drug. Uh, test is middle of the road both ways but it's definitely more physically challenging than decker is so if i want to maximize my off-season growth my go-to is going to be a medium to low test enough to keep erectile function and those sort of things running nicely and then as much decker as the person can tolerate within the scope of what we're dosing um if i've got room for more anabolics in the sense of i think the anabolic load can can cope with a bit more where we are then, yeah, I might run a little bit of mast, so I've got some DHT to help with mental clarity and that sort of thing, and get that double bang because I'll get a bit of estrogen control for it. But if not, I'll, I'll stick to stuff like aromacin and manage my estrogen that way. That's not a problem. Um, and obviously, if I'm if my major compound's Deca, then I've got a much lower estrogen rate that I need to deal with than whether my main compound was test. So I think that there are trends, and people jump on the bandwagon and do things just because bodybuilder A or bodybuilder B did it, there is usually some science behind it that may or may not have some grounding, and those that do have some grounding continue on post this balloon of things. So, I mean, we had a balloon of decoroni cycles a couple of years ago, and it was this issue of people struggling to manage estrogen, so the, the response was, let's not run any estrogen-making compounds. Yeah, or that's from very low estrogen making compounds that fizzled out, but it did leave behind this. You know what? As long as we've got a decent level of DHT for function, then yeah, why not high dose the drugs that are going to be the easiest to manage moving forward? Yeah, yeah. It, I, you know, you make a point. You said that like things go in kind of cycles. I think that right now this is the fad, and there can be some benefits to it. But just like any cycle, it it really comes down to the individual. I, I've worked with some guys that handle testosterone really, really well. Yeah, I'm, that just works well for them. I've worked with guys who like they have a lot of issues with test. So you can imagine that each one of those guys, when you set a cycle up for them, it's going to be very different. But if we go back to like what our foundations are, like start with test, see how that works for you. Add in another compound, next cycle, see how that goes. Like learn one compound at a time. I think that things will make 
sense for you in what makes the most sense. We -hmm. lean into the compounds that work well for us. We lean away from the ones that don't. Just as, as simple as that. All the things we read about what each compound does, that Masteron does this and DECA does this versus EQ does that, it's like it's a good reference to start from, but then you have to actually see, does that really do what it says it's going to do like for you as an individual? You know, I, I, a good example is I, man, I, I work with a guy like I love EQ. I think EQ is a great compound. I work with a guy who's several cycles in now and a couple cycles he ran were with DECA and he had incredible progress. Then we decided, well, let's try something different. Let's see how you respond to EQ. So he was doing like, I think it was 500 test, 400 DECA for those previous cycles. We went to 600 test and 600 EQ. And this cycle isn't nearly as good as the previous ones, even though he's training harder, even though his diet's even better. He's just, EQ is not a great compound for him is what I'm seeing, you know? I, I think all drugs do what they say they do. Uh, the differential is your sensitivity and response to those effects. So, how do you handle like, them? Yeah. So, can you take enough? I, so, can you take enough? You know, they all say what they're going to do, but can you can you take enough of that drug without getting side effects? Like, yeah. you know, I, I took a, a thousand. What did I take? Five hundred test and four hundred deca, and I did great. And I thought to myself, well, what if I just stick with test? That way I'm using a hormone that's produced in my own body. So I took a thousand tests and guess what? That cycle was a nightmare. I had like the worst acne ever, worst side effects. Now, you know, so does it do what it says it's going to do? Yeah, but I couldn't handle taking that much. It didn't work. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is you will, this is where it gets really complex. I mean, I've just been speaking to a client recently that's going on about his sweet spot with drugs and it's like there is no sweet spot your sweet spot is when you effectively manage the drugs you're using yeah but there comes a point when the management is so heavy that the drug becomes no longer viable for using so for argument's sake you want to run a grammar test so use your cycle as an example so you look to run a grammar test if you're having to run a huge amount of adex to control that estrogen of that test then you start to question is this really worth the squeeze I'm having to do to manage it? Yeah. And in, in most cases, no, it's not going to be. So there isn't a sweet spot in the sense of, well, this drug at this dose is perfect for me because it's all related on how you manage that. You may get away with 300 mega test or 400 mega test with no AI and feel really good on it. But 800 mega tests with no AI, you feel like dog shit. Fine. But if you put an AI in, you'll probably just feel as good as you did with a 400 with no IA if you put that estrogen where it needs to be for you. So your sweet spots, as people like to call them, are, are more based on effective management of what you're doing for you. The unfortunate thing is, though we know what the drugs do, it's a game of trial and error to discover how you tolerate what that drug does. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing. You know, when you put tests into your system, you know you're going to get elevated neuron activity. Is that going to cause anxiety? For 95% of people, no. It won't. But yeah, there will be a few. Good. There's going to be a few that, that are going to have problems with it. And heck, it could um, even be the same person that did okay with it before. Now he's in a different place in his life. Him his girlfriend broke up. He's lost his job and he's got a lot of anxiety already. And now he runs that same cycle that was great before, you know, could be a completely different ball game now. 
Yeah, so it is important that, like we, we've always said, you know, you start with one, you learn the drug. First of all, learn the book side of the drug. Learn what it does on paper. Then be aware of how you respond to those effects. And this is where, and I know it sounds like I'm being biased here, but this is where blood work's really useful because you can say, right, on test, estrogen was that high, I felt great. Estrogen's now this high, and I feel like dog crap. So I know I can't let my estrogen go to this point. I might not have any side effects in the sense of water retention, etc., but I don't feel good. So I know when I'm running a cycle, estrogen, my starting point for estrogen is going to be ballpark this number. And then when I add other compounds, let's see if anything changes in the way you feel with the estrogen staying there. If it doesn't, then you know that's where you need to keep your estrogen when you run cycles. And you yeah. build up information in layers like that. Yes, yes. That was kind of what I was trying to get at. All right, let's see what else we got here, Dave, because we still have a handful left. Um, okay, so he says, uh, I have a question I hope you guys might uh, help me with. Um, I'm 34 on TRT because of hypogonadalism and currently on about 225 weekly split into three injections, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Also 20 milligrams of Anivar daily um, because of extremely high SHBG. Uh, it was 169 and now it's sitting at 34. I want to run like a 12 week blast of testosterone um, for adding mass. Should I bump up the f to 400 or 500? Also, should I continue the Anivar while on blast or take a break from that? Right. I'm assuming that his TRT is not doctor controlled. Probably not. But if he's in the US, it might it might be. Aniv Anivar for SHBG management? I would have thought Provirin would be the go-to. It's not legal in the US. Ah, yeah. Okay. There's no antivir or there's no proviron here. Yeah. It's not a FDA what about, approved. What about, what about boron? You could use boron, I suppose. Um, oh, there's another compound. I forget what it is. It's like a very rarely used steroid. I've I've heard of it being used, but like the TRT places, they've got all this stuff, man. They've got your antivir. They got your winstrols. They got you everything but trend in mast. See that? I find that really weird. Because you wouldn't have a TRT clinic in the UK having anything but test. America. Mm. Um, I definitely wouldn't be considering long-term animal. Yeah. Yeah, me either. Why? Uh, there's going to be some liver stress. All right, it's not going to be massive, but it's going to build up if you're talking about using that for months and months and months at a time. In the same way, long-term painkiller use is going to start causing issues over time with, with liver. Uh, you've got the adulteration of your, your lipids as well, which yes. is going to further be suppressing HDL, but the little kick that Anavar has is that LDL increase. Um, so, yeah, it just wouldn't be where I'd be going with it. And I would be surprised, I would suspect that on cycle is SHBG, particularly if he puts a DHT in there, is SHBG is going to be driven down quite effectively anyway. Um, so I think what he'll find is when he comes off the back of that cycle, his SHBG is probably going to stay lower. Um, I think you'll find it won't recover the same as it would do if he was going to a non-usage state. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about it? What a, I, I think, yeah, if he, if he were to have the test, are you saying if he had the test lower itself, that would help? No, no. What I'm saying is, so if if he, because he's on about going from this TRT at 225 milligram, uh, and I'm assuming that that's dosed because that's put in his ranges where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I mean, just that's assuming a lot. that. Yeah, it seems high, but I've said before, you lot over there do seem to have a better tolerance for the slightly higher TRTs than us fannies over here. Um, so. Let's let's assume that his test level currently is in a good place. Uh, it's not too high. Uh, if he's going to go on cycle, I would drop the Anavar. By all means, he can bring the test up. That's not a problem. He could bring something like Mastin as well to offset estrogen and give him another anabolic. And the DHT coming in would also lower his SHBG more effectively. And then when he finished to go back on his TRT, I suspect he may find he'll get away without having to run the Anavar anymore. I see. Because I think once his SHBG has been properly suppressed, I suspect it won't bounce back as strong. And like you said, you mentioned the idea of boron. Boron at 10 or 12 milligrams per day would definitely be worth a shot during his TRT or cruise or whatever this is, you know? Yeah, it would definitely be my choice over Anova. Definitely. Yeah. What about if he did something different with the cycle, like, I don't know, 400 test and 300 mast, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he could try anything cycle-wise at the end of the day. He's, there's no limitations to what cycle he does. Yeah. It'll be based on his experience. I mean, in, if he's if he's quite juvenile in, in a term of cycle usage, I mean, he could just bump his test up to 500 and call it quits. All right. Got a couple more here. Uh, once again, guys, feel free to comment below on YouTube. I'll take your questions then. Uh, oh, you know what? I had a couple from Patreon, too, that were not as bodybuilding related, I believe. Uh, hi, Scott and Dave, listening um, to your advice on trimming the body fat before cycling. I train, but I'm overweight slash fat. I'm on 150 tests for TRT weekly, looking to add in metformin as the information I'm seeing says it's beneficial to people in my situation. Also, I have prescription Anavar. There you go on hand another anivar guy um would this be a good to, good to use whilst how can he have prescription anivar and use the word whilst that's a british word anyway um cutting body fat down would it benefit to uh implement just just started watching the channel bloody brilliant dude he this is cheers lads this dude is british and he has a prescription for Anivar. How is that even possible? Doesn't mean he's living in England. Oh, because he used whilst cheers lads in wild bloody whilst not whilst. whilst. That's what wild. I said. Whilst. That's exactly what I said. Whilst. Aluminium. Whilst. Right. Sister sister resource. Um. <laughs> Worcester doesn't need to increase anabolics to lose fat but obviously there will be a slight advantage with higher anabolics in a diet phase because you're going to be metabolism is going to be more efficient you're going to be leaning towards more muscle mass you're going to use more calories etc 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 
With the metaforming, I would first see, I would want to know where he was from a point of view of HbA1c. Uh, excuse me. I'll tell him while Dave's looking at this, check out uh, Berberine in lieu of metformin. Yes. That would That'd be my, my first thought. choice. That's where yeah. I was going. Shut well, up. you're busy. You're taking calls on the show. I, wasn't, I didn't well, take all a call. These people, I got rid of it. All these people watching, Dave. Whoa. Careful. Christmas cabbage. Now I see why he's been acting out. This is all starting to make sense to me. No, I'll tell you why he's acting out. It's because he comes over to you and you let him get away with murder. You don't make <laughs> him do his chores. You spoil him. You take him places. You're nice to him. <laughs> Should I not be nice to him? No, he needs to go on a grater at least once a day. Keeps him oh. in check. <laughs> <laughs> so berberine. How would you start berberine uh, to help with insulin sensitivity? That's going to be well and above anything Anavar would do, you know? Yeah. I would go to 50 milligram per meal, personally. Okay. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I prefer meal dosing rather than large dose with the high carb meal of the day. And how does he know that he's he's has issues with insulin sensitivity? Is it just based off of what he's heard us say, or does he check his blood sugar? Because he could always get a fasted reading, get a two hour postprandial reading, and learn about that stuff. And then you could actually watch how well you improve with the metformin or berberine. Metformin would work too, but berberine I think is just a solid. I would use that. Yeah, Cheaper. I mean, I I, I would just get HBA one C check and see where he is. There you go. I wouldn't go too in depth with it. I mean, if your HbA one C's you know high thirties going into the low forties, then yeah, you're insulin resistant and you'd benefit from something like Burberry. Um, if it's normal, but you're still not getting you know you're getting weird glucose responses, then I'd start digging into the other testing to look a bit more seriously. But I'd just start with HbA one C. Right. <coughs> oh, question for Scott. Have you had any mm -hmm. close calls with relapsing during your bodybuilding career? If so, how did you handle it? I would say not related to bodybuilding, but so this could be like a whole podcast in its own, but I'll give you one incident that the for me, I think the most difficult first struggle I had was six months clean. My dog died. And I'd had her for a long time. And so this was the first real big thing that I had to deal with uh, in recovery and not using drugs as a coping mechanism. And I ended up uh, staying clean through it. But big part of that was that I, I had already set a lot of tools in place. Like I knew I, I was already in the habit of calling people. I had a community, a support system. And so in early recovery, I really relied on those people. I relied on them in the good times. And then when I had bad times, it was easier to call. They, they have a saying like that when you're having trouble, the, 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 the phone weighs like 500 pounds. It's hard to pick it up. So I made the habit of call, calling people regularly, talking to people in my network regularly, because I knew that I couldn't do this on my own. I knew that my own best thinking got me to where I was. And so when, when I did have trouble, I already had a system in place. The problem is that people usually don't reach out for help until they absolutely need it. And then it's it's harder to do. So it's it's setting yourself up for success to begin with. I could go on about that for a long time, though. 
What about this one, Dave? Another off-topic question from Frank Zellman. Why, why don't we do something about this in an episode, then? We could. If you're, if you're comfortable to talking about it, that is. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to. I've talked about it before on various shows. If people wanted that, I'd be happy to. Tell us. Guys, comment below if you want to do, like, a recovery podcast or something like that. Frank Sullivan says, a uh, question for the next show. As you reflect back over your lives... What's the single most insane thing you've ever done, and do you regret it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because Dave's laughing. You have one oh, of mine? I, oh no, no. There's so many. <laughs> That's what I was thinking so too. Many. <laughs> I don't regret anything. I I don't regret anything I've done. I do regret the th impact that my actions may have had on others. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, I don't regret because my experiences, my life, my choices have brought me to me. And and I, I, I know a lot of people don't like me, but I, I quite like me. So uh, I'm good with it. So if you hate me, thanks. Fine. Not a problem. If you hate Dave, comment uh, below. Yeah, do. Yeah, please. <laughs> I've had any hate fan. I've had any haters for a while. Started to feel unloved. Dusty, um, Dusty took them all for you on the last episode. But um, so, you know, it's the effects of my actions on me. I've, I've no regrets. Not at all. Even going to prison, all that stuff. I've no regrets. The effects my actions have had on others have obviously caused them pain. Um, so, yes, I, I do have regrets that, you know, I have caused other people pain throughout my choices. But at the same time, there is the potential that those experiences have helped them grow as people as well. So it's hard to be, to really say, cause I'm not that person. Do you have a crazy, uh, crazy thing you can remember? I mean, you told us a good one a month or two ago when you told us about get like a, it wasn't like a thing you did, but you got pulled over while you were a fugitive in Spain and uh, they had you out with guns drawn. Do you have any stories like that that you haven't told us? Oh, God. Uh, or, or a good I, bouncer I, story? Because I didn't know until I went out there, Dave, anything about your bouncing stories. So I I built a monster. Well, I bought an old monster truck from Canada and then rebuilt it. Yourself? We, no, I, I had people help me. Definitely okay. Um, and we, we had mounted a body to it, and we were doing some testing. Um, and I went to jump these cars and this is an old leaf truck. So anyone that knows anything about monster trucks knows how unpredictable these things are. Um, and I, I jumped it and the roll cage wasn't welded to the chassis. It was welded to the bodywork. Um, I didn't fit in the seat. So I had one ass cheek hanging off the side of the seat. <laughs> Um, I was a bit of a mess after I landed that thing. I was bruised and battered to hell. Bouncer stories. Uh, went to have a meeting uh, with the gangsters in Manchester one day, turned up at a park to be faced with shotguns and various other things. That was that was a quite a chocolate starfish moment. Why were you having a meeting? Because I wasn't letting them in the bars that we controlled, and they oh. weren't happy about it. So, so I you, said, right, we'll meet. You used to own a security company, right? Mm. So you were like the security guy. You had people that worked for you. And you guys. At biggest. You what? 800 at his biggest. You're 800 people? Mm hmm. A bunch of big, surly British guys. That all well, there was a, there was a mixture. Of, uh, 
What we used to do, which was slightly different, in, in that we... So when we were working in Manchester, we, we banged heads with a lot of the gangsters in Manchester. And rather than create problems on the venues, I would ring them and we'd meet up and we'd literally discuss it almost like a business meeting. Okay. Uh, and, and so in most cases, what they wanted was to be shown respect of their status when they were out on a Saturday night. What they didn't want was some trumped up doorman saying, you're not coming in, piss off. Yeah. So our argument was fine. But it's you, Max, two others sort of thing, and you keep all your dickheads and all your minions and all your assholes away from my venues. And if they come in and fuck up, then you're gone. Okay. Uh, and obviously they would flex and be like, well, we'll do this, we'll do that. I said, fine, let's go to war. I've got 800 staff. When do you want to start? Because uh, at the end of the day, we're both losing in this. Yeah. I said, you, you are who you are, but you are also in this to make money. You have a business interest here. You don't want the police scrolling all over your business interests because you or your associates are getting into trouble in the Manchester city centre every Saturday, Sunday night. So show me respect in the sense of behaving in the venues and my staff will show you respect in not making you queue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, and and so that's what we did. We'd negotiate terms. Okay. So they uh, had the th that means like if they behave themselves, these mob dudes could literally just like walk up to the front of the line, give <laughs> give the bouncer a head nod, and they'd be like, "All right, there's Big Jimmy or whatever. Let yeah, Big Jimmy and, in in his career." And, and and at the same time, if anything went wrong, they lost that privilege. And the it's not that they couldn't have done me a lot of problems and caused me a lot of hassle, but they also knew that I had enough behind me to cause them a lot of problems and hassle. Yeah. So it was just a case of, look, this is where we are. What do you want? This is what I want. Let's find some middle ground that's commonality and let's not make a scene out of this because if we do, we're both going to lose here. You know what I mean? It's going to be a problem for both of us because I'm going to have to throw money at staff and bring monsters up from London or wherever to counter you you're going to have a load of police interest because you're kicking off and causing problems in the city centre. Uh, and then they're going to look at your other businesses, which you're not wanting them to do. So if everybody behaves as sensible, we'll get away with it, which is what we did. So, but you went to the park to have a meeting and there were weapons drawn. We, we had one meeting in, in, I can't remember the park in Manchester. And then there used to be a pub uh, in Salford near the market and we had another meeting in there and this pub was a dump i mean it was a proper dive yeah and then you'd walk in and the, there were bottles of expensive champagne behind the bar because it was where all the gangsters used to meet i've had meetings in service stations with them and all sorts over the years <clears throat> but yeah i mean i remember meeting um what what, what happened with the the everything they're drawing weapons on you and stuff like what was what how'd that go what happened well, we turned up. They, they 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 pulled up. They showed us that they were they were carrying and everything. And the reason we turned up is because two weeks before, one of them had let a shotgun off in one of the venues and it had gone through the ceiling, yeah, and blown a hole in the floor right between the landlord's legs as he was watching TV. Oh God! Uh, and it was just like, look, this can't go on. We're not having this. This yeah. is ridiculous. So it was a show of force from them because they weren't sure the way we were going to come and handle it. But I always approached it as a business first. Yeah. 
and then but with enough clout that if it needed to be more we were capable of doing it and just use that threat almost as as a, a way of keeping the conversation productive because they knew damn well that they didn't want all that grief because it was going to cost them and cause them problems and the last thing they wanted was the police looking into what they were up to yeah um it did backfire a little bit because it ended up that the manchester police could not understand while i had no problems with the likes of the noonans or flannery or any of those guys um or mickey francis or um god what's his name paul massey or any of the big heads that i never had any problems with them they never caused me problems in my venues and they come to the usual short-term conclusion that there must have been some relationship there there was but it was a respectful relationship not a I was getting paid by them relationship. Right, right. Huh. That's fascinating, man. See, we never talk about any of this stuff. We should we should get some more Dave stories in the future. That'd be oh, good. There's, there, <laughs> there is one, actually. I remember one. This is way in my early body, my early daughter career. Okay. We used to work, we used to work a nightclub called the Acapulco in Halifax. Anyone who knows Halifax will know that this place is a shithole. Has been for 30 years. Um, it's up some... It's, a few floors up in the building and the building's set into a slope so at the back of the building the, the land mass is higher than at the front okay anyway this guy we used to have these big circular metal bins and they were six seven foot high with these things and they were empty bottle bins yeah uh, and i worked with a guy called trevor um and he threw when when we used to take him out the back doors we were up a flight of steps almost it was onto the street but we were up a flight of steps and there may have been the odd occasion that people left the top of those steps with some level of thrust <laughs> okay anyway trevor threw this guy out one day um and the bin was right next to the steps and either he was a very good shot or a very bad shot i never quite worked out which but this guy ended up head first in the bottle bin and all we could Ooh. see was this pair of legs wiggling out the top. He couldn't get out because all the bottles are moving around him. So he's stuck. <laughs> we can't do anything because we're absolutely pissing ourselves laughing. And all there was were these two little legs wiggling about, sticking out of this, and this guy screaming his head off. Oh, God. Man. That's a good one. Oh. That's a good one. All right. We'll have to get back to some more of those stories. I, I, there was one more I had. We'll finish out on this question then. Um, says, uh, what a show. It was good to see Dusty with Dave. Very informative. Scott, you forgot to ask Dave the following question. He's asked this one a few times. He says, um, can you please ask him, can you build muscle from HCG injections only? For example, by injecting 500 IU three times a week. Some people talk uh, take it nonstop. Um, I assume there is some benefit. Also, can you build muscle from Clomid? Right, so both compounds will, in theory, raise natural testosterone levels. They're not going to raise them super, super high, but they can get them up end of range, and in yeah. a certain circumstances, slightly above range. So in comparison to low test, yes, you're going to see a muscle building advantage, but it's not going to be cyclic in its, its performance. Yeah, You know, it's not going to be like a cycle effect. But yes, you can see an improved response to training by increasing your natural test levels through the use of HCG or the use of Clomid. 
HCG, I would said, has a shorter shelf life uh, because you will most likely start to desensitize the Ladix cells to some extent. So it would probably HCG would probably have to be cyclitic in its use, whereas Clomid could be continued more long term. And effectively, what Clomid does is it blocks estrogen receptors. The hypothalamus and the pituitary think that test levels are low. So signaling is bumped up to a higher level, which in turn stimulates more test production. But like I say, you're probably looking in in NGDL terms, you're probably looking you're going to max out around the 1100, maybe if you're lucky 1200 mark. Yeah. In U- UK terms, you're going to be high 20s, maybe low 30s. So it's not going to have a dramatic effect on muscle building, but if you were naturally on the lower end, yes, you would see a benefit and advantage from it. Yeah, the way I've always tried to explain it to people is that you know, the difference between something like testosterone and B12 is that B12, if you, if you, so B12 and, and testosterone, they both do a fun, they both have a function or multiple functions in our bodies. And with B12, if you take too much of it, you'll just pee the rest out. Whereas if you take more testosterone, it does the thing it's the things it's supposed to do, but then it also continues to just build up and build up and we get a drug like effect when it gets really, really high. So keeping your levels at top end of normal, absolutely, I'm with you, Dave. It's gonna it's gonna grow, you know, more muscle than having low test, but it's not gonna have the drug like effect that no. we're thinking of when we talk about a steroid cycle, where now you're literally doubling or quadrupling the amount of hormone that you would have had naturally. Mm. Yep. Super physiological. All right, guys, go to uh, actually you can reach out to either of us if you want to talk about coaching. Um, You can go to Dave's Instagram. I will have that linked below. You can hit me up McNally diets at gmail.com. You can go to evalbloodanalysis.com to get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK. And you can go to Strom Sports Nutrition for some awesome health supplements, great health blends. They've got some performance stacks, too. Check them out if you're in the UK. Um, Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. They have good deals that change week to week. TrueNutrition.com for all our folks in the US. They've got high quality third-party tested supplements. They're the first company that ever believed in what we're doing here. Use our code THINK to get some savings and to support our show. Last but not least, thank you to everybody from Patreon. A few of these questions were from Patreon. You guys get priority. And uh, if you're new here and you sat through all this, then you should probably hit the subscribe button and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff, David Stanley Crossland, I'm Scott McNally. What's up, Dave? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We haven't had Dave's dad advice. Oh, I I thought you were going to tell stories today. You want to do, okay, Uncle Uncle Dave's. No, we'll do it next week then, that's fine. Uncle Dave's advice? Go for it. No, all right. I already did my spiel, I'm done. I'm I'm off the clock now, but go ahead, you do it. I was just going to talk about anger. Yeah. Your own anger? anger? Like you're mad right now? Yeah. No, but so it's natural to get angry and it can be useful as a instant spur or a motivation to react, but it's something that needs to be short and let go. Harboring anger or carrying anger will only destroy you more than the person it's focused at. There you go. It's a short one. All right. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally, and we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. 